Welcome to Pod Aloha, dedicated to preserving the heritage of surfing and the spirit of aloha. I'm Paul Strau, and I'm going to take you inside the stories of surfing's biggest influencers. Today's interview contains occasional profanity that may not be appropriate for younger listeners. The one and only Greg Knoll is our legendary guest in this installment of Pod Aloha. Originally from Manhattan Beach, Greg started surfing at age 10. In 1954, then 17, he went to Hawaii and lived in a hut at Makaha and began his affair with Big Surf. Famously nicknamed De Bull, Greg Knoll will be forever remembered for charging big waves in his signature black and white striped trunks. In 1957, he would boldly lead a small group of surfers out to Waimea Bay, which had not been surfed since Dickie Cross had died there in 1943. Greg's pioneering foray established Waimea as the standard for big wave surfers for decades after. And of course, he stepped into history again when he rode a 35-foot monster at Makaha on December 4, 1969, the largest wave ridden up to that point. He was also an accomplished shaper and businessman. During the 1960s, Greg Knoll's surfboards made more boards than anybody and featured Mickey Dora's own signature board. For these and many other achievements, he was inducted into the Huntington Beach Walk of Fame in 1996. We're honored to have him on this episode of Padaloha. Hello? Hello? Hi, Greg. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I was, uh, uh, it's getting old. It's so wonderful. <laughs> had, the, had the telephone upside down. Yeah. <laughs> good to hear your voice, Paul. How you good, been? Good, good to hear you, man. First of all, I just want to tell you that uh, I really miss not seeing you and hope all's going well with you uh, in, in all respects, Greg. Well, thank you, Paul. Yeah, it's, uh, Jesus, we're losing a lot of guys, aren't we? Yeah, it, it is sad. I know. Yep. Downing just passed away recently, and it uh, really struck me hard, too. Um, yeah, I know you were good friends with him. Yep. You were, too. Yeah, you know? Momi called me uh, oh, minutes after he passed away. They got a hold of her, and she was crying, and... Yeah, he yeah. was he was a goddamn man. He was a heavy guy in surfing. He laid down a lot of the blueprints for everybody, I think, more so than anybody I can think of, you know? Yes, I would agree with you. He sure did. Uh, the world is going to be a much smaller place without him. That's for sure. And then, you know, Buzzy, of course, quite a while ago. But Jesus, it just every week, it seems like. Somebody bruised not too long ago. It's it's really right. hard hitting, you know, when you get these guys are all your friends and uh, spent most of your life, uh, you know, involved with them and uh, watch them drop like flies. But I find memories and I, you can't help but reflect on them. There are so many wonderful things that happened over my lifetime with George. And I, and I know that, you know, it, it, a lot of those things involve you. I remember... Uh, so many, so many things. Uh, surfing together and being with him and and celebrating surfing in so many different ways, uh, and just spreading the the joy that we all had. It, it, you know, it meant a lot to me, and it continues to mean a lot to me. And I know it does to you, Greg. Even though you've been apart from it for a while, um, you know, by your choice, you know, that you wanted to, you know, spend time fishing and be with family, and I respect that too. But we miss you. We missed you dearly and not being able to see you and laugh and, and reminisce. 
So I just want you to know. Well, that. Yeah, Paul, thank you. God damn it, coming from you, that means a lot, you know. But, it's, well, it, you know, I, surfing is an odd thing, you know, that people can try to place it in a category of a sport. And it's just not, you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle or something shit that gets under your skin. And I think you, you, you know, you're in your head, you you know, you surf till you, till you croak, you know, I go down every day and look at the ocean and, you know, if it, if it's a, if it's a shitty day and the winds, you know, blowing on shore and some dark clouds, it reflects my mood for the day. It seems like, you know, it does mine, it does mine too. You yes. know, there's a little sun shining and the wind's blowing offshore and a couple guys in the water hooting and hollering. God, you go away yeah. smiling, you know. I know. It's so true. You know, I, I can't help but reflect on all the times that, that you know, I had to, 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 to share with you um, in Hawaii particularly and, and all of the trips that we made, um, you know, to celebrate surfing in different areas. Costa Rica. Um, you know, with your event that, that you organized and brought everybody together from the East Coast, uh, Hawaii, California, Gulf Coast. I mean, Greg, it wouldn't have happened without you um, thinking about that and trying to seriously uh, come together again for to reunite and, and, to, and to share all the laughter that we shared along over all, all those years and to just be in the same room. It was really, really touching for me. And at that well, time, I, I was remember. separated, you know, from uh, living on the East Coast and, you know, coming down and seeing all of you just, I can't tell you what it meant to me. And so it was all through your making. I just want to, you know, acknowledge you for, for doing such a great thing. Oh, you're being too nice to me, Paul. I, I, I'm i a pretty greedy guy when it comes right down to it. I, for the most part, I'm just a fun hog. and. It's, it was it was more fun just getting everybody together and seeing the reactions. I remember Laura and I were standing inside the airport and when the when the, the and there was a second floor and a ramp and here come yeah. all these guys you know uh, yes. down this ramp. Every fucking one of them is uh, you know a huge <laughs> huge person in surfing. It was really it was really neat. You know we were both going there's so and so there's so and so you know. Phil Edwards yeah. was a classic. Trying to get him to go to anything is all but impossible. I had to kiss his ass so bad. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I remember. You know, the only thing I re we required was that, that everybody go surfing together and have fun. And so Phil went out and he caught a wave, and uh, everybody on the beach is clapping. And he came in, he rode the thing right to the beach, stuffed the board, the nose of the board, right in the sand, and tiptoed off the thing like it was a plank onto the beach and picked up his board and walked away. And then he found something to complain about when I was talking to him. And I said, well, shit, Phil, what do you, you know, what's the matter with you? You know, everybody was stoked to see you go surfing and, you know, catch a wave and have some fun. And he looked me square in the eyes. He says, yeah, but what if I'd have fallen off? <laughs> you know, Greg, I have to tell you because I talk with him. You know, I came up to him and I said, gosh, this is this great to all be together like this. And and then now finally, you know, after such a great night, uh, you know, to come down to the beach together, just like old times. And, you know, and I had my board with me. I said, come on, Phil, you know, get out of your car. And, 
uh, let's paddle out. And he says, I'm not going out there. And he told me the same thing. I said, what? Well, why wouldn't you? And, and he said, yeah, well, what if I paddled in for a wave, st uh, took off and stood up and then, you know, and surfed. And, and, and guys on the beach are going, what? That's Phil Edwards? He's not that good. And I said, how could you even think that? <laughs> I just couldn't understand. <laughs> Never made any sense to me. I mean, Oh, oh man, God. he's a piece I of work. I went, he had me over today, him and Flippy had me over to his house for dinner. And it was a perfect yes. setup, you know, the, the, the wine, the, the, the silverware and the, the whole thing. And I had, had to wear a Hawaiian shirt, dress up. And uh, we're sitting about halfway through dinner and this fucking big fat fly comes in and starts buzzing <laughs> Phil. And he just went nuts, man. Got up, grabbed us fly swatter, started cursing, and 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 you know the dinner just went from some from first class to to the shits, you know. Still running around the room with a fucking fly swatter trying to get this fly, and he couldn't. And that thing would come back about every five minutes, and uh, I'll I'll never forget it. It was the most classic uh, meal I've ever had. Of course, Flippy's in the oh. background just you know, biting him in the ass about how he couldn't swat a fly. <laughs> this is hysterical. <laughs> I never heard this story. This is so funny. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told anybody. It's, oh, uh, my God. I mean, they're a sure cast of characters, right? It, it, uh, you know, it, it seems there probably are with the younger guys today, too. You know, I'm around quite I'm a sure. few in the big wave deal. I give... Uh, yeah. I, I give that fifty thousand bucks away to the uh, big wave deal, you know that they have. Uh, I've been doing that for about four years until I I told a dirty joke in front of three thousand people, and they wouldn't let me in the room the next year. But um, <laughs> I should have forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Something. Oh, I, well, I know I have a lot to say, you know, and to ask you about, about to just to share. But you know, one thing for sure. Greg, you are you are a damn good shaper, and I'm I'm being wow. very sincere and serious because I remember a blue a ten two board with a redwood stringer. It was blue uh, panels on both sides and a couple pin lines down. And I I got that board. I was trying to remember when exactly I got that board from you. Um, it was through uh, you, and then was was. Um, through Charlie Galeno, I got it, and uh, who ran the shop on Wailai in on Oahu, yeah. Knoll shop. Yeah. yeah. And that board, it was like a semi-pig board where the nose kind of came in a little bit, uh, with the, the the width being down uh, aft of center, a little bit, <clears throat> square tail, and I and it had a big like little, little smaller D fin, but it was a big fin right on the tail, and Damn, that board could work. I never forgot how, how good that board was. And and then you know, there's a second funny. board. There's a second board. I'm just going to make this real quick statement. That it was a gun that I got. Um, it was an ele a 11 foot gun, yellow, and it now is in the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Uh, I sold the board, uh, and Dick Metz acquired it, and it's now part of the collection uh, in his. Uh, Surfing Heritage the Museum. There. Yeah, and that board was another board that just worked, oh, God, so well. So I, I really, 
you know, kudos to you for your skill as a shaper and, and uh, making such masterpieces, you know. Well, there's a lot of guys that can shape boards, but it's a funny thing, you know, over the years I've talked to guys, you know, because I've shaped a lot of boards. Guys will come yes. up to me and they'll say, you know, I remember this board. And I finally came to the conclusion that a guy can remember more about his first board than his first piece of ass. You know, you can <laughs> tell a guy, it's true, you know. Uh, yes. he, the thing was uh, 10 foot two, it was, you know, 22 inches and a quarter wide, and it was three and seven eighths thick, had a, had a chop fin or this or that, you know. Uh, and then he turned around and he asked the guy, what'd she look like? And he's like, can't remember. <laughs> oh my God! You hit the nail on the head, didn't you? <laughs> That's how important surfing is to surfers. That's, that's right. I remember everything about your first board. <laughs> I uh, I got a funny story for you. I was talking to Buffalo, and I call him about oh once a week. We talk, you know, and. Uh, I went to one of his deals one time where, uh, you know, he, he, it, it, those Buffalo things where, you know, where they give away awards to the khakis and everybody has a good time, big yes. party, Buffalo longboard thing or something. Yes. Anyway, I, yes. I, uh, he starts telling a story in front you know, there's four or 500 people there. I'm standing next to him and he, he starts talking about this story about his friend how this green grass was growing out of his asshole or something. And I thought to myself, oh, how in the fuck is he going to get out of this one? And I kind of backed away from him like, shit, I don't want any part of this. And I don't know how he did it. I mean, everybody's just, nobody laughed or nothing. Green grass growing out of his asshole. And, and he went on and he went on and pretty soon people started to giggle. And then pretty soon they started to laugh. And then pretty soon he had the whole 500 people just rolling about grass growing out of your ass or something. I don't know how he did it. The funniest oh thing I've ever seen, you know. You know, speaking <laughs> of Buff, I'll never forget sitting with him at Macaw. And some woman runs up and says, are you the lifeguard? And he looks up at her. He's wearing a pith helmet with a tank top that says lifeguard, and then there's a life buoy right there, and then there's a sign that says lifeguard. And he says, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. And he says, she says, quick, hurry, my husband's drowning. So she takes off running back to the beach. And so he's he, he, he gets up slowly, and she runs back and says, hurry up, he's drowning. So we follow her out to the, to the edge of the sand, and Buffalo says, which one is he? And she says, what do you mean? He's right there. The guy was screaming for help. And he's good. Buffalo says, oh, yeah, I see him. And so then Buffalo squats down, takes a package of uh, cool cigarettes out of his back pocket. And he takes out a cigarette, reaches for the matches. And, and she says, you're not going to rescue him? You're going to smoke a cigarette? And he goes, yeah. And she says, why? And Buffalo looks up at her, lights his cigarette, takes it out of his mouth and says, he needs to swallow a little more water because he's too frisky right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes a he takes a puff off his cigarette, blows the smoke out of his mouth, puts the cigarette down on the sand, and he stands up and he cups his fingers around his mouth and he and he screams, 
hey, you, stand up and walk to me. <laughs> and the guy on the third shout, the guy stands up and the water goes from, you know, from just under his chin right down to his waist. <laughs> the guy waddles in, waddles in, and we walk down. His wife is running, hugging him and everything. We walk down, and Buffalo says, I'm glad you made it. But listen, man, you look terrible uh, right now. You got sand all in your ears and face and in your hair. He points, turns around and points. He says, you see that building over there? Right in front of it, there's a shower. So here's what I want you to do. Take your time, walk up there, take a shower, get all that sand all out of you. Do you have any clothes you brought with you? <laughs> he goes, yes. <laughs> he says, "Go to your, you got a car? Yes. He says, go to your car, get the clothes out. After you shower, towel off. You got a towel? Yes. yes. Okay, dry yourself up. Put on those clothes. And then uh, wait over there for me because I have a four-page report. I got to write. I need your name, where you were born, uh, uh, your address, your phone number. Because I have to write a four-page report about you that goes into the lifeguard headquarters. So... If this ever happens again, they know they know how to contact your next of kin. <laughs> the guy says, oh, okay. And so he goes up there, taking a shower, and Buffalo looks at me, he hits me on the shoulder, he says, watch that guy, he's going to go change. So I said, okay. So then I tell Buffalo, oh, hey, he just came out, he's all changed. Watch him. I told him to wait for me, right? Watch, he's going to go to his car. He's going to get in his car and drive away. <laughs> and I said, how did you know that? He says, I tell him all the same thing. You know why? Because I don't want to write out full-page report. <laughs> it's too much bother. And that guy's never coming back here anyway. <laughs> that guy's a classic, man. He he's useless. Oh, you God, know. he's... Oh my God! I, I, you know, I used to fish commercially, and we'd get these. You know, on the islands, they only get these small kind of squid. You know, the they're yes. only yeah, I don't know, twelve inches or something. So when we fish here, I I, I get these big buggers. They come up to your shoulders, and the tentacles oh are on the, on the all the way to the ground. So when I was going over there, I thought, what the hell can I take buff that would have some meaning? You know, he's a hard guy to bring anything. Like, gift or anything you know so i got these two big big octopus and uh i froze them up put them in a cooler and when we went to went over there for his contest i uh i brought them with me in the cooler so i got up yeah. there and uh, i had had it all figured out and i let them thaw out and everything and i was going to present them to buffalo in front of all these his friends and stuff at the contest deal there and so uh -huh. I told a story about how when I first came to Hawaii, how Henry Priest and Buffalo took me out to Hollywood and showed showed me their favorite hole, you know. He said, the only uh -huh. thing is you can't tell anybody about this. And uh, <laughs> I said, okay. And they went down. They the squid hole, right? <laughs> yeah, the squid hole. So right. <laughs> they went down, they poked a couple little dinky-ass squid and came in and barbecued him and uh and i said uh so when i came to hawaii i thought this time i thought what can i bring buff that would have you know that he'd like so i decided to go out and see if there was anybody stay home in this hole 
And sure enough, I I, went, I looked, I was swimming out, look over my shoulder, make sure nobody's watching the the secret hole, you know where where it was. And uh, so I went down, and here's what I found. And I reached into this box and I ice box, and I pulled out this fucking squid that when you when you held him up his tentacles went all the way to the ground, you know. And buffalo, like oh. King Kamehameha, puts his fist under the manly holding this thing like Kamehameha or something, and you should have seen the people. Fuck, they just all started running up there to touch it. The little kids was poking their fingers in their sucker cups and everything. And uh, <laughs> the next the next morning in the paper, in the paper Greg Knoll spears giant squid to present to Buffalo at, the, oh, at, his, uh, at his contest. Oh, my so, gosh. The squid oh, made the paper. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, be, besides uh, the friendship that that you have shared, not only with me but with Buffalo and so many other people. I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about surfing waves together. And, and you know, since we we're talking about Buffalo, about Macau, and especially that day when when uh, the, the waves slowly started getting bigger. I surfed in the morning. And it was at least 15, maybe 18 feet uh, on the bigger sets that came through. And, God, it was just near perfect, too. I'll never forget that day. You know, it's, it's, to have everything line up correctly, weather, wind, swell, direction, you know, to, to see it that big at Macaw and breaking that perfect, like, like, really, it was like a giant Malibu. And I'll never forget it. And then... And then I came in and I left just as you were. I know you were paddling out because I saw you. Uh, and then, you know, that wave that came when everybody else came in. And, and I can't remember his name, but he lived in that uh, condo uh, right there um, at the, on the beach, uh, right off the beach at Makaha. Larry was his first name. And I remember him trying to get a, he said he tried to get a photograph of it, but the wave was so big, it, it was clouded by the, the waves in front of it that you caught, and uh, I'll never forget that though. That day, that that and that, that whole story about you going out and being the only guy left out there, waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally, you know, catching the wave of your lifetime uh, at Makaha, at least, and how special that was. So it's a real tribute to to your um, your perseverance in the water, Greg. Being a, and, I, and I mean this being sincerely. A stupid ass. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the only it, it, people are always uh, interested in all the bullshit about that day, but uh, you know, you gotta. It, it, it's embarrassing for me to even talk about it because you know you take Shane Dorian and Greg Long and Twiggy from South Africa and all these yeah. guys that are riding waves now. That you know, there are they're riding bigger waves, are doing it much better, and the. You know, uh, I just hate to be one of these guys that talk about the old days, but it was a very interesting day. Yeah, but Greg, you got to remember that their inspiration comes, to, uh, you know, in terms of riding big waves from from surfers like you and the others that have, uh, you know, broken barriers and gone out there and mm -hmm. and and did what you did. And so there is precedent, you know, and you just have to. As much as you, you know, don't like to hear about it, you have to 
I guess just understand and accept it because you walked into history and there's no denying it. So that's the way it is. That's what uh, well, history says. Well, I guess the guys take their inspiration from the other generation. I took definitely took mine from Georgie Downing and and uh, yes and Buzzy. You know those guys. Right. I remember being laying in my bed in my bedroom reading these looking at these pictures of McCaw with Downing and Trent going, fuck, is that, you know, that's, I got to do that someday. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you did. You did. And I think a lot of, I mean, every surfer has uh, heroes that they look up to. And that what I think that's what inspires them and pushes them forward. And, you know, it's just a natural thing that all athletes try to do is emulate those that they admire and uh, try to improve. And so to be one of those that kind of set the standard is uh, it's a nice tribute, you know, to smile at. And you should you should be smiling, Greg. That's what I'm telling you. you uh, God damn it, Paul, you're too, much, you're too nice to me. You always, well, one thing about Paul Strau, whoever's listening to this bullshit surf story deal. It's uh, not bullshit. <laughs> he, you've, you've always, he's always been the gentleman of surfing, yeah. That's the way to be, man. I was always a uh, guy kept over shit and the, the, the proverbial bull in the china shop. And it's a lot easier uh, to just kind of be pleasant, you know, and not step on any toes. But it took me a long time to figure that one out. Well, I got it. You know, I came, you know, let me just go back in time, too, because you're Greg Knoll shop in Hermosa. I mean, first of all, I mean, it blows my mind to, to think that. You know, that Hermosa Beach and Manhattan uh, together being, you know, not much more than two square miles together, those two towns, uh, could generate more surfboards in a given period of time than anywhere else on the planet. Yeah. And you were, yeah, you were probably right. Yeah, you were a mainstay in there. I mean, it's just mind-boggling how many boards and how many, how many, how many shapers did you have working for you at your, at your peak and how many boards were you putting out? Uh, a week. Well, when the when the East Coast really blew apart, you know, and uh, surfing took on took hold back there, we were running on a double shift, and we had uh, sixty guys, sixty two guys at one time. But I blew my own phone, so so that's one reason we had more guys. Yes. But uh, you know, we were running on a night shift, and uh, we were we were striving for one hundred and fifty boards a week, and and we we would. Uh, We'd hit that about fifty percent of the time, and it did fluctuate, you know. But we were when the Mickey Dora board came out, we couldn't make the son of a bitch as fast enough, and, and it was really, yeah. a, it was really a fun thing because, uh, you know, boards were selling for one hundred and ten, fifteen, twenty bucks. And right. The Dora thing came out, the cat board, and uh, we started selling for one hundred and seventy-five bucks, and we still couldn't make them fast enough. And then, of course, years later, you know, I don't know how many years later, we did a, uh, a special issue, a limited issue of 300 boards, and yes. they started at uh, 600 apiece, and 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 went uh, the last few boards sold for uh, seven or eight hundred dollars. Amazing. And then, uh, you know, you, you think, fuck, they can never get go beyond that. And I, yes. some of these board auctions, I've I've, sold, I've seen boards go to fifteen grand. 
I know. You know the catboards. Unbe- unbelievable. Yes. I know. Well, I they're know. one of a kind. I, you know, like I, a like a limited edition. You I mean that's it? No more made. And so they have history and prominence. And so I mean, hats off to you, well, that, seriously. That, well, it was you know everybody. They, they were getting. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. we sold a board that went to uh, France, I think it was, for thirty four thousand dollars. One of my one of my. Sunset boards, you know. Yeah. But yes, everybody, I, the Downing board, I think, sold for up, up there, up like that, and yes, uh, a couple other boards went for big bucks like that. But I guess you know, when you think about it, you know, a rich guy can take his money and buy a famous painting or something like that and spend a bunch right. of money on it. But guys at Survey just didn't have a a board that has a history hanging on their wall, you know. Yeah. Absolutely that make, right. That makes sense. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's very special. My gosh, and well, you're you were in the mainstream too, and so you know, I mean, this the conversation we're having, and for the people that are listening, I mean, many of the the younger people have no really no realm or understanding of 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 what went on back there, and you know, in fact, it's been a long time, you know. How, what what was the when were you yeah. in your heyday? What was the years that that uh, your Greg Knoll surfboards was and Greg Knoll surf shop was um, you know in its heyday? Shit, I don't know. Laura, when, when were we doing a lot of boards anyway? What was what, Paul refers to it as a heyday? What time period? Mid sixties, she says. Mid sixties is right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's quite a statement, though. Really, at that time. When you think about it, I mean, you know, the, the industry has progressed to a much wider uh, level, you know, in uh, geographically as well as uh, numbers of you know, surfers. And so it's yeah. easier to understand something like that now. But back then in mid-60s, I mean, you're talking about, my God, 50-plus years ago. And, and that was God a, name. You know? It's scaring me. No, but it's true. I mean, you you, yeah. you set the, the the mark, Greg. You really did. Oh, the, but, you know, it was everybody had their their boards. The Hap was down the street, and Bing was up the street, and mm-hmm. Dewey was yes. somewhere screwing right. somebody over something. Uh, <laughs> and everybody had the, uh, had their their guy. You know, I mean, you went to a bar and say if you were drinking in a bar, and you said. Oh, that Jacob's board's a piece of shit, you know? That's fight boards. <laughs> I know. And, and now, nowadays, uh, you know, the fucking things are made in China. Some uh, environmentally pig house. Of a, you know, know, you can smell... Somebody went over there and said you could smell a resin fumes for three three miles away. And I mean, where's the pride of ownership in, uh, in that shit? A molded board, you know? Uh, I know, I- yeah, but it's not but, all I mean, about economics, you know, I mean, there's pride and there's, and there was a meaning to it, you know, to have a board. Hand well, that's when everything so, screwed it up. I think, I think, I think so too. Screwed up surfing worse than anything, you know, yes. I remember when, you know, remember before the Duke contest, everybody's out having a good time and yes. just, you know, just hooting and hollering and no money in it. And just right. You know, as soon as the Duke contest 
came along. God love yes. him. Everybody has a great respect for the Duke, but there was money in it. And now yes. best friends are kind of, you know, they're kind of trying to get the better of their best friend and uh, it starts getting pushy and tempers flare. And I remember, you know, in a, in a period of two or three years, you know, how shit changed, you know, you throw a few cameras into the deal, a little bit of money and the whole thing turned into diarrhea. You know, it was, uh, right. that's what money does. But, but, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, like I say, I give that 50 grand away to the guy that caught the biggest wave. They caught the yes. XXXL or some shit. And yeah. so, you know, those guys make a living doing that. They have, yes, they do. you know, yeah. you know, I had to work on the beach as a lifeguard all, you know, all summer long so I could spend my winters in the islands and those guys, man, they just get the, get the money for surfing and good for them. You know, I know and it's a they, different world. They seem to have a tight little group, you know, yes. where they have camaraderie and stuff, but I don't, I, I don't think it's the same as it is when there's no money and you're just doing it because you love it. You know, I agree. I agree. Totally. Truth is yep. most of those guys like Greg Long and those guys, They'd be doing it for nothing anyway, if, even if there was, uh, if even if they didn't have sponsors. I think, you know. I believe it too, Greg. You know. Yep. You know. Yep. I mean, it, it's a lifestyle that it's hard to uh, argue with. That it, 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 it comes first, regardless. And you try to hope yeah. that you can, you know, pay the bills and and, and earn a living through it. But if it doesn't uh, happen that way, you're still going to be out there doing the same thing. You know, I remember uh, when they made that movie. Uh, uh, what the hell was it? Uh, in God's Riding Hands. Riding Giants. Oh, Riding uh, Giants. No, yes. Yeah, yeah Riding yes. Giants. It, Laird and myself yes. and uh, a couple other guys were involved in it. And we went around and, sh and they showed the movie. You know, trying to promote it. You know, that's what the movie companies do. They yes. we went to uh, forty of the forty-eight states or something. Damn near everywhere. And everybody always wanted to know uh, what is it about surfing that makes people so addicted to it? Blah, 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 blah. And so the more you try to talk about it and explain it, the worse the whole explanation gets. And I remember I was in New York looking out the window at, and these people were so fucking high up in the Sony building or something where people were like <laughs> ants, you know, uh, crawling around down the, down the street. And all these, uh, this is a big deal for Stacey Peralta, who's the, you know, he made the movie. Yes. You go to New York, and if the critics like you, it's a huge deal because then more people come to your, your, your film or something. And uh, this guy, you know, the, the, they showed it to all these critics, and they're sitting in the audience, and here comes the question. What is it about surfing that makes, you know, people leave their wives, bail out on their families, and you know, uh, just want to go surfing so damn bad. And I couldn't help myself. I, it, it, there must've been 50 of these guys with their notepads and pencils. And I said, you know, serving is something that's very special. And if you haven't done it, if you guys haven't done it, I feel sorry for all you poor bastards because you're never going to know the answer to the question you just asked me. And they, Stacy just did a meltdown thinking that, you know, these guys were going to give them a bunch of bad reviews. 
the end result was they got great reviews and somebody talked to them like that. <laughs> but it, 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 it's the truth, you know. If you don't try, if you don't get in the water and try and have that the great love affair with the ocean and surfing, you are a poor bastard. You're never going to know the feeling, you know. I just, God, I, I sometimes wonder what some poor guy and, you know, back where they make steel or cars or, you know, these inland places where there's no ocean. What do these guys do, man? They just, for, for laughs, you know, they have a six pack of beer and go to the football game and that's it. You know, I, I just, uh, I genuinely feel sorry. I think if uh, you had people all around the world surf, there'd probably be fewer wars. Anyway, that's getting pretty dramatic. So forget I said all that. I, you know, I joke and, and make a lot of, you know, giggles out of stuff, you know, try not to take life too serious. But it is a, the truth, you know. The, the surfing has been for me, uh, you know, I certainly love my kids, my, my lady, but it's been a real love affair. And I know I know it has for Paul and all the guys that that really become you know, a part of their life. It's, uh, it's a great, really the great love affair. I think it has something to do with when we were slime and we creeped, you know, we creeped out of the ocean or something, uh, part of that genetic shit came with us or something. And, uh, the desire to be back in the ocean. Hey, uh, hey, Greg, it's Brandon Strau, Paul's son. Um, Oh, hi, how you doing? Hey, how are you? I wanted to ask you a quick question. You know, my dad introduced me to surfing and brought me to love surfing and really enjoy it. And it brings on a certain release in my life. And, you know, I know you did the same with your son. Maybe if you could talk about that and you know how you've shown him the ropes and kind of given him, you know, the love and joy of surfing. Well, yeah, I, I you know, unfortunately, Paul, you probably... You know, being Paul Strauss' son, you probably get it a lot too. You know that how come you don't do this or that, or are you going to ride big waves when you get, you know, when you get up to the age, you know, all that bullshit. You know, and I just tell him, man, you know, don't don't pay any goddamn attention. Forget about all that. I probably had more fun uh, before I started riding big waves, and I, you know, once you get in that that limelight and and people expect, you know, things of you when you're, especially, you know, when you're riding big waves, if you don't catch the biggest wave of the day, you know, and it's, it becomes a kind of a tense situation. Uh, but when, before all that crap started and movie cameras and, you know, uh, guys with their little notebooks and want to write articles, you just, you, you, I had more fun. I tell my son, you know, just uh, just strive to have that love affair with the ocean, and and just let all of, all the rest of the crap just uh, roll off his uh, back. You know, some guys never learn that lesson. You know, I'd just like to add too. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for all that you've given to of yourself to uh, helping elevate surfing uh, in so many different ways uh, through your skills as a, a craftsman and uh and experimentation and, and and leading the you know the the development further developments uh, on all fronts and 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 i guess 
you're really setting a bar so that everybody can reach for higher levels to achieve and look towards and and improve self-improvement and it all comes together you know and you're you're definitely a part of those um, mentors of the sport that have helped pave the way and make it better for everyone and this is the reason and purpose that I wanted to connect with you so that ever everyone out there who um, is interested in learning about surfing and its history I can understand uh, what you your indelible mark that you left on on the culture of surfing and and how happy I am to have been a part of, of it with you and so thank you very much Greg for all you've done and and for sharing your your insight in at this time with with me and with the audience listening thank you very much Paul, Paul you're, you're being way too too nice to me you know everything I did basically was if it didn't have a, a reason to put more time in the water, I didn't do it. I shaped boards so I could make enough money to go to the islands. I, I took movies for the same reason. Just about everything I did was based on getting, you know, a few bucks together so I could go over to the islands and uh, spend my winters over there. Well, that was I guess important, you're getting but... close to the end of this talk, but I want to tell you a yeah. quick, funny little story about a guy. Sure. I remember... Uh, when I was, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 or something like that, 22 or something, I was at this, I was surfing at this place called Sakis, you know, and, and above, up by the county line. And uh, it was a pretty neat little day. Surf was four or five foot. And I remember taking off on this wave and I'm trimmed out thinking, man, this is a squeaker. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, some guy comes up behind me. And does a giant cut back, lays a sheet of water on me, you know, it's midwinter and uh, freezing my ass off. And so now I'm completely drenched and cuts back, turns again, comes up, locks in right underneath me. And we go through this little section and I pull out and I go, oh, the fuck was that guy? What's your son's name? Brandon. Paul. Brandon, Brandon, that was your dad. <laughs> it was your dad. Classic. And, uh, that was my fir first real uh, the first time I recall uh, Paul, man. And he was, I don't know, he must have been 17 or whatever. Yep, right. But he was. I remember that day very well, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I do too. You made me colder than shit, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was a real, you were a total standout in the water then, Paul. And well, uh, that's my first re recollection of you. And it's been, uh, Paul Stroud is, is the, 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 the gentleman of surfing. You, well, you are the diplomat, the guy that hopefully will, uh, represent uh, everything anyway we better quit complimenting each other here <laughs> we'll have to hire some guys with violence or something to play in the background Greg, I really in all seriousness i, I do want to uh, thank you very much for uh taking the time out of your life and and to be able to walk you know back in memory uh and celebrate you know, and I know it's not an easy thing to do, but I, I, I just needed to, to share your history with everyone out there uh, who has an interest in surfing and, and knows it's, it's a, it goes beyond your own 
mind and, and your own person. I mean, it, 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 you have to embrace everybody that has kind of paved the way, and you are certainly one of those that have made it a better sport in, a, in, in all respects. And so you certainly have done that for me, and I mean this sincerely. So I want to thank you again, yeah. Greg, for all that you've done. I, I don't know what makes surfing, you know, uh, I think it's a fact that it's not a team thing, you know. Each guy does his own thing, and consequently, I think you come out, the end result is later on down the line, you come out with some real individuals, you know. Anyway, yes. en enough blah, blah, I guess. Good good talking to you, Paul. And if you're just standing around scratching your ass, sometime pick up the phone and let's bullshit a little more. More often. You, you, you got it, Greg. I promise you okay. I will. <laughs> okay, Paul. Absolutely. I love you. I love you and aloha, Greg. Thank you very much. Yeah. See you later. Bye. Aloha. Bye-bye.